Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So good to be able to join you uh, online this midweek service. It's time of Bible study. Hallelujah. Shall we worship our great King and bless him who alone is worthy. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Glory to your holy name. Thank you for the privilege and honor of serving you today. Knowing the true and the living God. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Oh, we worship you, the faithful God who never changes. Hallelujah. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. We worship you who gave his only son. Thank you, Lord, that you give freely all things. Hallelujah. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. For your holy word, repora bientele bosunto. Blessed be your holy name, mano crusto presini vendeleme, lama sambra nindo rebaseri ande camosto comande. Blessed be the name of the living God, retoreste presio lucatane, mange divre dusto, hallelujah, bresutoreste brende. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Croce preste vendo lu prequite kelete barente. Hamashata kabaranda rabakariende. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelamashere barakanda rabariande. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hallelujah. All that's within me, bless his holy name. Forgives all our iniquities, heals all our diseases. Oh, we do not forget your benefits. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Bless the Lord. Hamashabarama karabar balalabrante. Be magnified, be lifted up. Masha brante lebrosto. Bigger than any challenge, bigger than any situation. 
bigger than any circumstance. Le mosco protofa le brente le menti. We choose to make you bigger. Nemo koto kurabasi kerimendi. Hallelujah. Mashada brandara makari anderebo sondorobo koriente. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Blessed be your holy name. Mashata baparakata kari andarabo koroko seterimendi. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. We bless you, we praise you, we thank you. Thank you for the hope you have given us, O Lord. You're coming soon. We bless you, we praise you, we worship you. Hallelujah. We call every need met. We call every hope destroyed, every burden removed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we give you thanks, we give you praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Oh, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. We welcome your tender mercies here, precious Holy Spirit. Oh, Thank you, Abba Father. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Today we'll also have a Canada translation with Sister Krupa helping us again. We'll turn in our Bibles, uh, first of all, to the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, and uh, the fourth chapter there. Hallelujah. Notice it starts there. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Praise the Lord. Maybe we can hear that in Canada also. These are instructions given by Paul to Timothy, the eventual pastor of the church at Ephesus. And this is some of the last things that Paul is talking about before leaving the earth and um, very, very important and full of instruction. Notice here he says that he's before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that God and the Lord Jesus Christ are observing and are present in these matters. Who shall judge the quick and the dead or the living and the dead? So there is an awareness of the awesomeness and responsibility that he is now bringing to bear on Timothy and let's just say any other person that could be in ministry or generally a believer also. He says, preach the word. Verse 2, preach the word. Hallelujah. So God is interested, Jesus is interested, heaven is interested in us, you know, preaching the word. It's a solemn charge to preach the word. Hallelujah. To maintain that. That is sufficient for heaven and therefore it should be sufficient for us. Preach the word. Thank God for other things that you can do. But 
central and most important must be preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, whether you like it or not, whether you feel like or not, whether it's convenient or inconvenient. There are so many things involved there. But he continues with two R's and an E, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Praise God. So there's, there's a lot in there already. Notice that there's something about reproof or correction and rebuke, a kind of stern, authoritative speaking, and then a drawing towards you, comforting, uh, building up, and so forth. With all long-suffering, notice that word long-suffering, <laughs> So, praise God for being able to extend our compassion in spite of all of those things and continue in the doctrine and clarity of the basic foundational stuff. Praise God. Let's hear verse 2 also in Kannada. Vakyavannu saru anukula vada kaladalliyu anukula villada kaladalliyu adaralli asakta nagiru purunadeerga shantiyindalu upadeshadindalu khandisu gadarisu echcharisu Then he continues for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts shall they heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears Hmm very interesting. I believe that if there's any time that this could be talking about, it is this time, these last days. And it talks about because of their lusts or their own fleshly desires or let's just say desires that are contrary to the will of God, they now decide what they want to listen to even from the biblical perspective, you know, even from church and the word of God and uh, so-called Teachers, they decide what they want to listen to, you know, because um, they have their own desires. And so there has to be a clarity in what kind of desire should be tolerated, what kind of desire should be given uh, any importance. All these things have to be examined and uh, what should be on top of everything else. So they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And, verse 4, shall turn their ears away from the truth. Notice that. So, the truth must be understood about all of this, and then we have to align with the truth, rather than choose against the truth. As we were saying the other day, out of Second Corinthians 13 and 8, you can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. Hallelujah. Maybe uh, we can just hear that also. Second Corinthians 13, in Canada. Verse 8. Amen. So there it is. So the truth has to be established and then everything else must line up with the truth, including our desire uh, for hearing things. Notice that. They will heap up teachers to themselves, having itching ears, and turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto fables or myths. Praise God. But watch thou in all things. 
So we are called to watch and uh, keep our uh, senses sober and aware of what is going on. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Notice here that um, Timothy is supposed to be the pastor of the church coming up, but even pastors or anybody else may do the work of the evangelist, even though they are not evangelists. So the fact that you lead people to Jesus doesn't make you an evangelist. You are supposed to lead people to Jesus, do the work of an evangelist. The classic evangelist is a full-time call which uh, has classic signs and power along with it. Praise God for that. And that's a wonderful blessing. But all of us are called to actually do that work and lead people to Christ as the days are evil. Notice here it says, make full proof of thy ministry. So each one of us is supposed to uh, accomplish and prove and uh, finish whatever you know God is telling you to do and uh, bringing it to a fulfillment. Praise God. Just like Paul said, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Wow, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Hmm. Glory to God. So here is a man who can say plainly that he has finished. He has kept, he has fought, and he's ready to go home. Hallelujah. So it means that there can be some clarity uh, as to what you're supposed to do and then actually do the details of it and then go home in glory. Praise God. And not having to be cut off suddenly and, uh, you know, being left like that. However, we have to be watchful and make this all possible. I believe a good knowledge of the truth a working knowledge which will now control even the desire of our hearing. Jesus said, take heed how you hear and what you hear, we were seeing. Notice here, therefore, that these are directly related to such things, that people will not want to hear certain kinds of things. They would prefer to hear something that tickles their own fancy and tickles their own, let's say, itch or desire. And that's all they want. And so it's like you can vote. You can decide what you want to hear. But according to these verses, you can't. <laughs> Praise God. I wish it were as simple as, I can just hear what I want to hear. I can just decide what I want to hear. Yes, you have a freedom, and you may, but it's not necessarily what God expects. Praise God. So we are supposed to endure certain clear uh, doctrines and scriptural teachings and not just heap up stuff that we want to hear. Amen? So there is a pressure there you can tell. A pressure to stay with the word. A pressure to stay with the truth. And uh, that truth that God wants for us at that season and in this particular season, the last days, is a type of um, diet which may involve correction and you know, keeping one on course again and again. And uh, nobody likes that because he told the person even with all long-suffering. In other words, you may get tired of that, but then you need long-suffering. Hallelujah. And so we are going to try and be on the same page with the Holy Ghost and Paul. Praise God. All long-suffering and doctrine. 
as a charge, it is a solemn uh, call to be under the eyes of the Father and the Lord Jesus in all of this. Because the judge now is going to give us an awe and let's just say a reverence for God as we handle all these things. Amen? It's not our message, it is his message. It's not our life, it is his life. It's not our plan, it is his plan. And we have to appear before him one of these days. Amen? So it's nice to note that we are all called to respect and rever these things. Amen? So no matter what it looks like out there in this age, don't be moved. Let's direct our senses, direct our hearing abilities towards the truth so that we don't take a stand against the truth, which is his word. Thy word is truth. And that separates us and sanctifies us from the domain and dominion of this present evil world. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes there's a humanistic view to, you know, God and all of these things that we talk about because we are all mankind and the brotherhood of man. And so God is such a loving God and Jesus was such a wonderful person and what, a, what an impeccable life he lived And then they do not really talk about the fact that he died and that he suffered and went to hell and rose again, not for his own sins, but for us as a substitute, meaning that he had to pay a price to bring us back to God. That is not reflected in the humanism and all of that out there of a good God who may never send you to hell because he's so loving. But there is a clear truth which is in the word of God and Jesus was perfect and impeccable and he was our example and we should all emulate and try to live like him but then he came to pay for our sin so that we will be restored back into fellowship with his father and enjoy the family of God. Praise God. And that freedom to choose must be made available but most importantly it must be taught clearly that man is not belonging to just one family, but actually we are at odds with this God, and we have to make the choice for Jesus who paid the price. Hallelujah. So there's all kinds of messages out there which sound nice and good, that you should be a good person, you should be a a giving person, a generous person, you know, a loving person. You know, and then everything will be wonderful and what a wonderful society it will be and all of that. But that just sounds good. The truth is, man is at odds with God. Man has fallen and no matter how good he tries to be, he cannot attain to God. And so Jesus came to pay the price and suffered and rose again from the dead for our sake and is today at the right hand of God interceding for us. Hallelujah. That's the truth. Amen. So no matter what anything else sounds like out there, how good and how nice it is, it's not necessarily the truth. Amen. So we have to be sober and watchful and make sure we are not slowly being driven down that slippery slope to adapt and receive any other kind of message. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No matter how well Uh, worded and how well-meaning it sounds is not necessarily the truth. 
Amen. That's just to put it out there. Let's hear verse 5 also in Kannada. Hmm. Praise God. Thank God for those verses. Alright, so we can see here that there is an awe expected, a reverence expected before God and the Lord Jesus Christ in the carrying out of this, let's just put it plainly, commandment and order to teach and preach the truth. Praise God. And therefore, it is with that kind of reverence that we should be handling the word. It puts a fresh responsibility on anyone who is handling the word of God. Amen. And uh, we should carry that kind of responsibility and honor and reverence for God constantly, whether we feel like it or not. And we must handle it like that. How many of you know that we need mercy because of all of these things? Amen. We can become so common and so, uh, you know, used to the Word of God or whatever and slowly lose the reverence that we have for these things. Amen. So let's look at Jesus again as we consider Hebrews chapter 12. You know, so if Jesus says the Word is enough, if God says the Word is enough, then it's enough. Hallelujah. Thank God for jokes and uh, little video clips and all of those aids, but the word has to be enough. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. It's good. Sometimes we may seem a little out of place, but, you know, as time goes, we will have to handle the next generation and prepare place for the next generation that's coming. And so we may have to incorporate things that are entertaining or, uh, you know, uh, in line with their culture and age and all of that. But we should never forget that the word has to be number one and must be given its place and authority and reverence. Hallelujah. And we must bring it forth like that. Notice Hebrews 12, how it begins, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about... With so great a cloud of witnesses. We talked about God and the Lord Jesus. Before whom that sober charge to preach the word came. Notice they are also in that cloud. And then there are others also who come from the 11th chapter into the 12th here. So great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. So there are things there that you know, have to uh, be individually taught and studied about. But notice that there is a race set for each one of us. And therefore, we are not to compete with others. But we are supposed to finish the race that we have been given. Paul ran his race and he's gone. Now it's our turn, it's your turn, and you have a particular race, but it must agree with the Word of God, it must agree with the truth. Amen. And so these thoughts have to be brought to focus. Patience, endurance for the race, because it's a long-distance race. Looking onto Jesus. Notice that the focus must be on Him, looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Another endurance there. So could you see that the will of God for him 
um, was not something he liked. He prayed about it, tried to see if it could be taken away. He prayed three times for extended hours and his sweat turned to blood and it was agony and, you know, his being recoiled from all of that, but he had to accept the will of God for his life. Praise God. And that was his will and he's the champion, the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God. And we look to him. So the will of God is not necessarily something you like. The will of God is not necessarily something that your flesh is going to be reconciled to. Hallelujah. But it must come from the word of God. It must be clear in the scripture. It must be from the new covenant. It must be things that uh, we can identify in Jesus and those who followed him. Praise God. Hallelujah. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There will always be joy connected to the obedience of the will of God. We're not saying that it's happiness, but it is joy. Praise God. It is another force that comes from your spirit man and then quickens your body and gives you strength. Hallelujah. It comes from obedience to God's word and the truth. Praise God. That was set before him, endured the cross, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So today we have this person at the right hand of the throne of God watching you know, with uh, eager and loving care, hallelujah, over everything we do. Praise God. Verse 3 says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So the, the weakest part of our build is our mind. And therefore, that's where the battle is. That's what we fight for. So that's where the good fight is all about. It's about thoughts and reasonings and arguments and anything that raises up itself against the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. And so we have to constantly uh, be engaged that way from maybe even from your sleeping times, in your dreams and into the waking moments. You have to have your guard up all the time. Thank you, Jesus. What a day it will be when we go back home and we won't have to fight this fight anymore. Thank God. (laughs) Paul said, I have finished, I have fought, I have completed. Amen. So there is a day when we will just lay it all down and say it's all over. Ha, 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 I can now go home. Praise God for that joyful day. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, um, you know, I love these thoughts and we need to be fortified and kept on course Uh, along these verses constantly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's hear verse 1 and 2 also in Kannada and then we will read verse 3. Adhakarana sakshyevara ishtu dhudda meguvu namma suttalu iruvadarinda yella bharavannu sulabhavagi mutti kolluva papavannu navu tegedittu. Namma nambikeyannu huttisuvatanu adannu kooleisuvatanu agiruva yesuvina mele drushtittu namma munde ittiruva ootavannu taalmeyinda oodona aatanu tanna munde ittida santoshakkoskara shilubeyannu sahisikondu avamanavannu alakshyamaadi devara neevu managundidavaragi besaragolladante aatanu taane paapigalinda eshtu virodavannu sahisikondanembadannu neevu aalochisiri amen Did you notice there, as you continue, it leads to something called paths. 
Verse 13 says, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. You notice that we have paths for which we have been prepared, and those paths are supposed to be set before us, and we are supposed to make our path straight instead of it just going here and there. So those paths can go here and there, and we can be off course, but then we are called to make the paths straight. Hallelujah. We make the paths straight so that our feet can go in that direction. Amen. Praise God. So all of the things that we are reading now are leading towards that path and being sure that we are maintaining that course. Hallelujah. Make straight paths for your feet. Remember the voice of John the Baptist, one crying in the wilderness, make straight the paths of the Lord. Similar kind of language. And so we are called to have ourselves making our path straight for the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Make straight paths for your feet, hmm. lest they be turned out of the way. Rather, let it be healed. Isn't that interesting? So, all of these things are about the whole race and the matter that we are sent to the earth for. And if we do not stay on that path again and again, you know, if we keep missing that path, God will find an alternative person. Hallelujah. That's what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 9.27. So let's read verse 13 and then we'll look at 1 Corinthians 9.27. Nimma Pada Garige Nitada Darigalango Madiri, Tige Madidare Kuntakalu, Uluki Hogade Vasi Aguadu. Glory to God. So you can see that that's why the tone is a tone of reverence. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus preached the word. You know, and he said, I have done my part, I'm now ready to go. Now it's our turn. So in 1 Corinthians 9, you would have noticed the verse there, verse 27, it says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So this is where that verse now comes uh, into some more clarity. If we continue to wander off the path that he has prepared for us, by our own not keeping our feet straight and being lame and uh, just wandering off again and again, even though, you know, um, he's trying to keep us there, keep us centrally placed and located in the will of God. If we continue to go away rebelliously, guess what happens? He can replace us with someone else. Praise God. Uh, you remember the words of the Old Testament prophet who said, uh, only I have not bowed down uh, to Baal and so on and so forth. And God said, I have 7,000 who are already kept there who have not bowed down to Baal. So the fact is that we are not just the only hero around or the only usable person, but it is our privilege and honor to be used. And it will be good if we can just do what we were created for, Mercy, Lord, <laughs> and stay on that path and make the path straight so that we can walk in it and uh, make sure that we are listening so that we can stay in that reverence and awe and finish what we were called to do. 
Amen. Now, Paul was not perfect. We are not perfect. Therefore, 1 John 1, 9, as we were saying last week, has to be constantly brought up to us and we must endure with the mercy of God again and again. Don't get fed up of, of being corrected there. Praise God. Always remember that you can run to that uh, amazing place where the blood of the Lamb is available to sprinkle and restore us to complete righteousness in the will of God. Amen? Ha, ha, ha. So let's put uh, 1 Corinthians 9.27 also in Canada. Hallelujah. Alright, so there is a lot in there. By now we can already sense the gravity of the matter. And um, it's the word. And so that's what makes us safe. That it's the word of God. And it's very, very uh, clearly written. So we go back to Hebrews 12 and observe there. We read all the way to um, 5. Uh, let's read there. He says, And you have forgotten the exhortation, this is verse 5, which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Notice that it is very possible that these Hebrew believers had forgotten. Forgotten something which is written in their book a couple of times and, you know, is supposed to be clear to their thinking. So it's possible to forget the exhortation. He says there, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Praise God. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. We must not forget, therefore, that it is a proof that he cares for us and loves us. Anytime there's a correction coming down our way, it's proof that he cares and he loves us as a father loves a son. Amen. And we need to accept it like that. The Lord loves and he corrects. That's how he is. Amen. So we are given the um, instruction again and again to remember he loves us and he cares for us and he feels uh, for us much more than we even know. And he knows the consequence of these things because he is the truth in the spirit realm. He sees everything. Everything is open before him. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows everything and he knows why we should be corrected because we have to rejoice at the end of it all. He would like to join us in rejoicing. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we look at it like that, he wants us to finish the course. He wants us to make those paths straight that we could walk in them. And so he corrects us. And when the correction comes, we should take it like that from a heavenly father who loves his children, who originated from heaven. Amen. So we should take it that way. Verse 7, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you illegitimate, King James says, bastards and not sons. So if you're honest, you would say, yes, 
you have corrected your children. And if the children are honest, they would say they've been corrected by their parents. If indeed they are the true parents, it is for a positive outcome. It's not for negative. It's always to bring benefit to uh, the child, but in a human term, also to the father. You see, they may correct us for their own benefits also, because uh, they are natural thinking, but God is always thinking about our benefit. Verse 9 says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our own profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Can you see that? So he has the ultimate clear vision and can see everything and he knows the plan for which we were created and he's saying I'd like you to get there, I'd like you to finish it, I'd like you to enjoy that victory and the accomplishment of the will hallelujah, so I am doing it for your profit amen, and in this case we can see here that the ultimate maturity and the proof of maturity is holiness So we mature and grow and then we become holy or set apart for him. Praise God. So this is all so that we are better vessels that we can carry his glory better. Praise God. And we can partake of that position that he has for us as a partner and caretaker of the righteous, holy lifestyle of God. Amen. So for the next days of our life, let's not be afraid of being corrected, but rather let's receive it and say, my father loves me. He's preparing me so that I can finish this course. I can run this race so that I'm not substituted. I must finish. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to finish? Oh man, I know we all want to finish this thing. We want to do it right. Amen. So let's just reverently receive instruction, correction, Check our hearts again and again. He said we give them reverence. So if you see a child that's been well corrected and grown up, he should reverence his parents. Thank God we need mercy. Don't we need mercy? Hallelujah. (laughs) Imagine your children being out there. We expect them to represent us properly. Amen. Do I say, yeah, you know, maybe when they were babies, they didn't behave like us. They had no... uh, maybe direct relevance to what we were. But as they grew, it would be nice to say, that's so-and-so's son. He behaves just like him. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Verse 11 continues, Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Oh, there's a lot in there. Let's hear verse 11 first, and then we'll see in Canada. Hallelujah. Notice that there is an afterwards. So God sees the afterwards. 
we see that moment and whatever correction and pain that correction <coughs> involves, but he sees afterwards. Amen? So we must trust him in his wisdom that he's preparing something for us that we will enjoy afterwards. Praise God. You know, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, there's a lot in those terms there, but let's look at exercise for a minute there and think about it for a minute. If you were into sports and things like that, you know, you may have to spend many hours training and sometimes you may have to just go on a training camp where like-minded people are being subject to certain routines again and again and again and again. And the point is that it now becomes automatic. Praise God. I saw a video clip which, um, you know, I was quite amazed to watch. I think it was um, Ronaldo, a great football player of these days. And um, they put the goalpost there and, and then suddenly there's a ball uh, and then somebody else will come on into the scene also. And then suddenly the lights will go off and he has to score with the lights off. You know, So the ball will suddenly be seen and then somebody else will also appear in that same frame and then the lights will be off and he has to score. So the ball could be thrown at him, sometimes the ball would be stationary, whatever. And this guy would constantly score. And when they put on the lights again and they retake the camera shot, they will notice how it happened. He would get it again and again, just like in the dark. <laughs> And that's because of training and training and training. His mind has now anticipated everything, the speed of the ball, the angle at which he has to kick it, and the person in the same frame with him. All of this comes together at one shot and he scores. That happens because of training. That's the exercise material. That's the training. So our senses get to be trained again and again by the Word of God until it becomes automatic. Our senses can immediately tell, I'm out of the way here. Something is beginning to happen. I need to stem it at the very bud. I need to finish this thing before it grows up. Hallelujah. So we should not despise training. And therefore, notice here he says, the fruits of righteousness unto them which are trained by the word and by the adjustments according to God's word. Hallelujah. So, it yields fruit to those who are trained, not to everybody. It yields the precious fruit, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them that are trained by the word again and again. They're going to see the harvest. They're going to see the peaceable fruit. Amen? So you can see how everything is now um, taking a greater responsibility to be able to hear properly and to focus on what's going on so that our senses are being trained by this over and over in spite of its hardness sometimes, bluntness sometimes, but it's the loving Heavenly Father training us so that we will shoot accurately, we will run accurately, we will finish. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so let's not therefore, <clears throat> you know, despise any of these corrections, reproofs, uh, and take them as just, just fleshly. But let's go beyond the flesh and consider the Father and the Lord Jesus who are behind all of this. Amen. God is a faithful God. 
and we could use some more mercy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's read also uh, maybe the 12th and the 13th verse in Kannada. Hallelujah. So you can see the target of God is that we finally get to a place where we don't need external correction, but we are corrected by self-discipline, self-instruction. We can catch from within his instruction rather than having to suffer something outside. Amen? See, there are times where if we don't pay attention to the instruction and are not receiving the correction, something may happen in the physical that will now force us to be corrected. And it may become evident to others also. So that's not a very pleasant thing. Praise God. So what is better is to be able to handle the correction internally and be sensitive. And so we we don't have to have you know, just moments and moments and moments of external correction all the time. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can see God thinks just like we would think about a loving father-son situation. He doesn't want to embarrass us. Hallelujah. So we should be able to now train ourselves, exercise ourselves in these truths and be able to receive correction and instruction and self-correct again and again. Hallelujah. On a daily basis. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Among those kind of thoughts, there are a couple of thoughts. Um, Let's start with um, verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. That's not a very nice thing. Fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby Many be defiled. Today I feel we should look at this thought a little bit because it has, from the point of view as you look at it, the ability to affect many. It says that you can actually fail of the grace of God and you can become bitter to the place where a root of bitterness is now embedded inside you and then it springs up, troubles you and then defiles many others. So that's pretty interesting. Hallelujah. Jesus came to set us free and to set us free indeed. Hallelujah. So let's, let's walk towards freedom, absolute freedom. That's a wonderful place to be in. And that's what we will now strive to uh, study for the remaining time. What's true freedom? True freedom is the ability to live your life successfully without a desire to collect debt that anyone owes you. That's one thought. (laughs) We should get to the place where nothing affects us and we are free. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, there's plenty of room for that growth and that freedom in our lives. Let's look at uh, maybe here, verse 15 in Canada also, and then go to John 8. Hallelujah. So back in John 8, familiar verses, 
As he spake these words, many believed on him. You must remember that Jesus had times where he was so perfect and so anointed and so 100% that people could not stand him. Can you think about that? You think that a person who's perfect, 100% anointed, very accurate, just the word, perfect in every way, would have uh, amazing success with people. But you know, sometimes as you read the word, you get shocked and you realize not everybody accepted him. Amen? That's the same result with the truth, the word of God today, because Jesus and his truth are the same. Amen? So you know that chapter 8 is after chapter 6. So if you go down to John chapter 6, you will notice there some lines of scripture. Very interesting. We are considering Jesus. Amen? Consider Jesus, who endured so many contradictions. Hallelujah. So notice here, he begins to talk about how he's the bread that came from heaven. And they couldn't understand it. And said, we know him. Isn't this Joseph's son? You know, and the whole family's here. How can he be saying such things? He came from heaven. The bread that came from heaven. Blah, blah, and so on. You know, and they were bugged and uh, concerned. And so, he says in verse 60, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it. Notice here that even if Jesus were preaching, people could be murmuring. He said unto them, does this offend you? Jesus, the perfect one, great shepherd, people are getting offended. What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, so he's going on, he's saying, what about if you see the Son of Man ascending back into heaven? Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. So he would have that amazing uh, eye view also and know who's going to be with him and who's not going to be with him. Thank God for that. Not everybody can have that sometimes. Uh, 65, and he said, Therefore, says he unto you, said he, uh, I say unto you, that no man can come to me except it were given unto him of my Father. So notice here that the Father has seen us, the Lord Jesus has us. Amazing. From that time, verse 66, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Are you serious? This is the perfect pastor. This is the perfect teacher. This is the 100% anointed person. You don't want to walk with him? Why? Is it the problem with the anointed one there, his teaching, his word, or is it the problem with you? Of course, it's always the problem with the teacher and the word and somebody else. See, self never comes out and says, actually the fault is mine. I have other desires, I have other lusts, I have other intentions, I have some other agenda. Who do you think was right? Of course, Jesus was right. Amen. Hallelujah. So what does he do? He shows the freedom again, 67. Jesus said unto the twelve, will you also go away? 
So he, he does not force anybody, notice that. Even though he's perfect, even though he's right, even though he's anointed, even though there's nobody as anointed as he, I mean, Holy One, praise God, God himself in the flesh, he just turns to the others and says, will you also go away? These are his disciples, by the way, that left. Many who decided to notice that, verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That's very interesting. Disciples? Well, praise God. Then Peter, Simon, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Praise God. And we believe and are sure that thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe and are sure. Jesus answered them, I have, have I not chosen twelve? I know one of you guys is going to betray. And so on. Thank God he had all that precious revelation. But I just got amazed to notice that this person, who is 100% anointed, word of God, accurate, everything is purposefully prayed out, perfectly handled, still can be refused and rejected. And here I can tell you 100% it's not his fault. It's the hearer's fault, including the disciples' fault. See? So um, that leaves me a lot to think about. Ah, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on us. May we be able to hear and handle your truth and not be offended. They were offended. Does this offend you? So freedom is the ability to be free from offense. Praise God. And to follow the master and walk in the path that we were created for. Hallelujah. So we jump off to the 8th chapter now and observe there, over there in verse 30, familiar line of scripture. Maybe we can hear this in Canada also, maybe um, 66 or so. Hmm. That's it. And then we come off to John chapter 8. Verse 30, as he spake these words, many believed on him. So he's, he's 33 about, but he's very mature in the spirit realm. So with all of his experience and maturity, which did not happen overnight because he grew up, he was a baby in the womb, and maybe he came out with the victory sign from his mother's womb and all of that, but he was still a baby. <laughs> he, was still, <laughs> he was still a baby. <laughs> and that makes a lot to think about because he had to grow up he had to now study the Bible. It was not on some kind of automatic download where it was just flowing from heaven into him. He had to read the scripture. He had to spend time studying and engage with teachers of the law and baffle them with his questions because he did not think like they thought. He was thinking differently. Notice all that. At 12, he was already well versed with the scripture. And so he grew in the scripture and then they said, where does this man have such wisdom? He, he didn't go to the University of Jerusalem. 
He, he has all of this with, without any, in quote, uh, certified understanding from college. Praise God. He grew up and studied and prayed and sought God's face and matured and trained himself to yield to the Father's instruction. Praise God. And then at this point in his life, he has now dealt with people who call themselves disciples and go back. And so by the eighth chapter, he's like, many believed on him. Oh, wow, the place is full. I'm so glad. But he doesn't minimize the requirements and the reverence for the things of God. Instead, he says, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. See, he's not looking just for disciples. He's looking for disciples indeed. Praise God. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Jesus. Who go beyond everything else and continue, no matter what comes down the pipe. God have mercy on us. Verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And of course, they argued, we are not in bondage, we are Abraham's sons and all that stuff. But in verse 36, he says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Notice the indeed words there. Hallelujah. Disciples indeed, free indeed. Disciples indeed, free indeed. Disciples indeed, free indeed. So you could say Jesus came to make disciples indeed and to make people free indeed. Hallelujah. So we need to be totally free and totally disciples. <laughs> Amen. Not just save people waiting to see what itch can be tickled by what instruction and what message they prefer and what they feel good about, but rather who are going to continue in the truth knowing that a loving Heavenly Father has paths prepared that they should walk in them. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. How much mercy do we need? I tell you, we need mercy. Paul said, if I do not put my flesh under, I myself can become a castaway after preaching to others. You know, that's some reverential fear right there. Paul said that. And so, hmm, I need to have some mercy constantly, right? I need to be ready to adjust, to put my flesh under. You know, the flesh was never supposed to rule us. The flesh was never supposed to control us. Our feelings, our emotions, our desires from the fleshly point of view were never supposed to be on top. They were supposed to be subject to the spirit man. And so we can tell our bodies to obey. We can tell our bodies to be healed. We can tell our bodies to be blessed. We can tell our lives to come in line with God's word. Hallelujah. And it should be, obey us. I put my body under, he said. I bring it to subjection. Amen. And my brother, my sister, I'm still young, but, you know, uh, I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be substituted. Praise God. I want to run my race. I want to finish my course. I want to do what I was created for. I don't want to miss it. How much mercy do I need? Tons of mercy. But God will help us. Amen. Here we are, day after day. Your mercy is what we need, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah. 
All right. Let's hear maybe um, verse 32 and then verse 36 also in Kannada. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another situation and then we will go back to the path. Galatians, the fourth chapter. Let's observe there. This is now Paul and his ministry. And we see some interesting things there also. Let's go over there from verse 14. He, he's preaching to his people, the Galatians there, you know, he says, You know how that infirm, through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. He had some kind of uh, most likely wounds and, you know, tokens in his body of suffering persecution from that whole matter in Acts 16 and thereabouts. Verse 14 continues, My temptation which was in my flesh you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He's talking about the reception they gave him at the beginning. They said it was as though it was Jesus himself or an angel. They received him with such awe and respect and reverence. Hallelujah. You know, he can remember that. Then he says, where is then the blessedness you spoke of? Where is that blessedness now that you used to speak of? How you were so blessed and so excited and honored to have me in your midst. For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Praise God. He said they were so amazed and so enthralled and so honored and so excited about Paul that they would have even plucked out their eyes and given to him. That could be very extreme ways of saying they would do anything. It's like saying, I'll give my arm for you or give my leg for you. You know, words like that. They would do anything, in quote, for him. He said, now it looks like they have changed. The next verse says, Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. That's the 16th verse. So the telling of the truth has now drawn a line. And has separated emotions and feelings. And all of those things from duty and spirit-led affections. And spirit-led liberty and truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So notice we are all prone to these things whether it be Paul's ministry or the Lord Jesus, the perfect one in his ministry, all these things constantly, you know, are being beamed on. Hallelujah. So it's not really the man uh, and in quote the ministry, but it's just the individual hearers that are now picking and choosing things and uh, going by emotions, feelings and other plans rather than the truth. Hallelujah. It's really amazing how they can be full of moods. Up and down and up and down and up and down. So Paul himself said in, in Philippians 3, I believe he said, I put no confidence in the flesh. He himself put no confidence in the flesh. 
Isn't that interesting? So we cannot now just go by our affections and our desires and our thoughts and thereby choose what we want to hear and decide what we are going to accept from God's truth. Praise God. We just have to draw them away and say, no, this is what I know. This is what I need. God wants me to go down this path. He created me. He planned for me. And I'm going to receive his instruction. It may not be pleasant right now, but afterward, it's going to work out for my profit. And I'm going to mature. And they're going to see the outward proof that I have grown. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, from those kind of thoughts, let's go on to a place where we can see, you know, these things are clearly signs of being offended and hurt and being emotional about things when people ought not to be. Praise God. Now, if we jump off from there for a minute towards Mark chapter 4, I think we should hear at least a verse or two, maybe Galatians 4 and 15 and 16 also in Canada, please. Aga Nimage Ashirwada Vaitendu Nivu Andukundi Rala, Adu Eli Huitu, Sadia Vadi Dere Nima Kanugal and Nadaru Kitu Nanage Kuruti di Rendu Nima Nukuritu Nano Sakshi Hirutine. Praise God. Amazing. So from these kind of thoughts, we remember in Mark 4, which we have constantly referred to over the past couple of Wednesdays, uh, about the seed and the hearts and all of that, you notice that there are at least uh, four different kinds of ground and Let's just go with some mathematical probabilities of saying that there are 100 people in a church and that you can divide them up into, you know, these four types and uh, imagine, therefore, that there is now 25, 25, 25 groups like that and then out of those groups, one group of 25 people uh, has, you know, the good heart of the 30, 60 and 100-fold reproduction Praise God. Meaning here that they are saved, but they are not allowing things to choke and hinder the word of God from growing. Are you getting this? We're talking about saved people here. Saved people can allow the enemy to take the seed immediately by being distracted, by not paying attention and giving value to what they're hearing. That's why Jesus said, take heed how you hear and what you hear. The measure of thought and study, the thoughts and prayerful consideration that you give to the word is the the amount of harvest that's going to come back to you. So be careful how you hear. Let he that has ears to hear, that's the choice, let him, notice that, let him hear. Keep hearing and hearing. Exposure to the word over and over and over makes the difference in spite of whatever we feel. Continuing in the word. Hallelujah. So into this setup, if you brought in a little mathematics there, probably you'll get eight people out of hundred who are producing a hundredfold. Praise God. So, hey, that could be an interesting number. Eight out of hundred is pretty good. It's more like seven out of multitudes in Acts chapter 6. 
Praise God. But if you have eight who are producing optimally out of hundred, that's not too bad at all. Praise God. But let's strive to be in that group where we are producing optimally. Hallelujah. Notice here, verse um, 15, we have already read. 16, and these are they, likewise, which were sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, they have heard the word, notice, that means they were listening, they were in church, and immediately receive it with gladness. The other one said, immediately Satan comes and takes it away. Here, immediately they receive it with gladness. So the first reaction to the word being received is gladness there. So the word has power within it to make you glad. Hallelujah. Maybe you're quietly sitting there, but inside it's producing some some results and you are excited that, okay, yeah, I'm being corrected, but I know it's good for me. Hallelujah. Notice that. The word immediately, they receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. What that means is that they have not had enough time in the word. They have not continued to expose themselves to the word of God. And so there's no depth. And so endure, but for a time. They have a certain time uh, expiry on their following of Jesus and their producing results. Hallelujah. A certain time. Afterward, notice in the other case, it was afterward, you get your profit. You see the peaceable fruit and you receive profit. Here, afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Notice there, for Jesus' sake, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Hallelujah. So what, what should a common guy think? A scarecrow like you and me think? If it's the word, I'm not going to be offended with it. If it's the word, I'm going to stick with it. Just a little switch there. Click. So even if you're some goomba from, you know, fixing tires, puncture work, you were just working there in a shed, but you simply made this little adjustment. You could go places with God and you could run the race for which you were called. You could run and enjoy great, great rejoicing in heaven. It doesn't matter what background you came from if you would just choose to stay with the word rather than against the word. God have mercy on us. How often our emotions get in the way, you know? Sometimes you even blame God. Do you know that? Sometimes your soul stands up to accuse God of not doing what he said. All these thoughts are going to come up. Praise God. God help us. Immediately they are offended. So this offense thing has to be dealt with. And um, that's what we may talk about for the remaining couple of minutes. Let's see how much we can plow in there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's go off for a minute and consider something that you probably have heard. But, you know, I blow on people sometimes. Do you blow on people in Jesus' name? Yeah, I blow on people, you know. We, we saw it in the scripture some years ago, so we started doing it. <laughs> Hallelujah. In John chapter 20, it says there, if you're there, we can go. 
Verse 22, he says, When he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So, you know, based on this scripture, you could blow on people and expect something to happen to them because you are the body of Christ. Amen? <laughs> he breathed on them. 23, Whosoever sins, you <laughs> remit. It's funny, this whole blowing thing, but hey, Blow, it's okay. It's all right. You know, people may fall, people may not fall, you know, but you can still blow. It's all right. Hallelujah. Sometimes it'll just be saliva, but hallelujah. Please blow. If you feel led to blow, blow. (laughs) And he continues. Verse 23. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you I remember one time I blew on somebody and they threw up. (laughs) They went like, (coughs) hallelujah. So sometimes I wonder whether it is the blowing or is it something in the blowing. Anyway, praise God. Let's forget that. (laughs) Scratch that thought. Verse 23. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. But when Jesus did it, of course, the Holy Ghost came. And then he put this instruction. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Hallelujah. Now, religion has taken this verse and they have twisted it around and said, some people have the authority to forgive your sins. If you confess to them, your sins will be forgiven. That's not what this verse is saying at all. Amen? What's this verse saying? It says, if you forgive people, guess what? Those sins are gone. But if you don't forgive them, those sins stay with you. And they affect you. What a thought. Now, just keep it. You don't have to jump on it and say, wow, immediately. Let's read some scripture. I think we forgot a verse or two in Canada there. Maybe the previous um, if you can help, otherwise we can go on. My, yeah, Mark, Mark 4, I think 17. Yeah, let's just do that. Tamalli Bedu Illada Karana Swalpa Kala Matra Iruvantavaragidare, Taruvaya Vakeda Nimitta Upadrava Vagali, Himseyagali, Bandaga Kudali Avaru Abhyantara Paduttare. Amen. Praise God. Now we can probably do 20 also and the 23rd verse, I believe. John 20. I think it's 23. Whosoever sins you remit. Amen. Amen. So like I was saying, just hold that thought and let's go to a familiar line of scripture, Mark 11. We have there 23, you know, 24, all of the things that accompany the faith of God and which you and I have. 23 says, for truly or verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. Notice there, the doubt can come from the heart, the deep thoughts, the emotions, 
the imaginations, the will, the intellect. That's where the doubt can come from. But if you can do away with those thoughts and doubts and speak from what you believe, you can have whatever you believe. Amen? You can have whatever you believe in your words. It will come to pass. 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. How powerful is that? So, these things are all hinging on one another, but basically inside your deep thoughts, emotions, imaginations, etc. And when you stand, this goes always, when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Praise God. So if a person decides that they are not going to forgive, where do those things stay? Do they stay with themselves or with somebody else? I believe they stay with the person in their heart, in their deep thoughts. They are not released. They are kept there and they form hindrances to believing. They form hindrances to receiving what you are saying. The operation that you could actually enjoy is hindered because of these uh, unforgiven things. Sins of others now become inside you. Praise God. What a thought. Very interesting thought. Just think about it. And let's look at something else. Back to Hebrews. Praise the Lord. Do we need mercy? Oh yeah. The more you see these things, the more you see the need for mercy. Hebrews the 12th. And that whole business of considering Jesus. Look at 15. Looking diligently. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Hmm. Bitterness. Now you, you and I know we've talked about how a husband and a wife can be bitter. The husband can be bitter against the wife. A believing husband can be bitter against the wife. Isn't that interesting? And that we need to spit out the bitterness. Remember that? Hallelujah. So, these things are deep. They are there. They are possible. Hallelujah. So, notice, for something to become uh, a root and go inside and trouble you, the guy who has it. Isn't that interesting? And then it overflows and affects others. Amen. So, the troubled guy now troubles others, defiles others. And he is not operating in the grace of God. He has fallen from the grace of God. The grace of God is a glad place where you are just floating along on the word in spite of anything that's happening out there. You are energized by gladness and joy that comes from that incorruptible seed which you are nurturing on the inside of you and you are holding in spite of anything else that is in the feeling realm. And so no matter what's going on, you have this joy and it irritates people also, but they are not defiled. <laughs> but this unforgiving attitude defiles others, and you are troubled, and you are irritated because you are not forgiven, 
Because you have not forgiven. Hallelujah. Something to think about, isn't it? And so uh, it just keeps spilling out over and over. And many are defiled. Isn't that interesting? Defiled, defiled. That means like garments being dirtied. And, uh, you know, I was telling the kids one time a story where the word loo came from. L-O-O. You know, I'm going to the loo. It's actually from a French word, uh, water, which is L-E-A-U, L apostrophe E-A, which is pronounced as le, le. You know, and then became loo, you know, loo. But the original term was gardez-le. Gardez-le means uh, watch out, water. And it was a word of announcement <laughs> that people uh, who lived in taller buildings, when they were emptying their buckets from the bathroom, in those days they used buckets uh, instead of WCs, you know, water closets. They had buckets and they would say, Water, watch out, and they throw the thing quickly. And anybody who's down there, the minute you hear it, you better run for it. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be defiled. <laughs> Praise God. So this, this whole business of being defiled, you know, is an interesting context there as you look at it. Therefore... There is no point hanging on to things. Let's be able to drop them off real fast because they're going to hurt us and they're going to hinder us and they're going to cause deep roots of bitterness and they're going to really trouble us and we will fall from the grace that we're supposed to enjoy. And thank God for 1 John 1, nine. we can just go up to him and say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Let's probably read verse 15 also in Kannada. Hallelujah. Let's go down to Isaiah for a minute, Isaiah 43, and let's pick up some thread of thought there. Again, familiar scripture. Notice this is the character of God. It has not changed. Verse 24 says, You have bought me no sweet cane with money. Can you imagine God saying, You didn't give me any sweets. Where's my chocolate? Neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices, but you have made me to serve with thy sins. You have wearied me with thine iniquities. God is asking for worship and praise and thanksgiving. Amen. He said for him it's like bringing candy to him, gifts to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said instead you are bearing your sins and disturbing me with your sins. 25. I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. Hallelujah. Isn't that interesting? Notice here, he's the one that blots out our transgressions for his own sake and will not remember our sins. So when we forgive, we should be like him, we should also forget. Now the memories are going to keep coming and they're going to torment you because the devil knows that offense can hinder 
any production of the word in our lives at all. We will not have the faith because it will be squashed and brought to nothing. But it's inside. It's just not working. It's not workable because this is a big hindrance. And so these thoughts are going to keep coming against us over and over. I'd like to bring a scenario to your thought for a minute. Imagine somebody who has really offended you, hurt you, done you wrong. And, um, you know, it's, let's just say it's legitimately wrong. It's just bad what the person did to you. And you're sitting down with someone else in a restaurant and you're eating. And that person who you're eating with is telling you how good that other person is. That's probably one of the hardest things to just deal with if you want to walk in the way of truth. You have to actually keep quiet and smile and maybe say nothing except, you know, hey, wow, that's going to be really hard. You know, and you may just want to tell it like it is and put them in place and, you know, give them the right picture. But guess what's going to happen? Those memories are going to just stay with us and choke up our productivity. And they're going to now slack us down. I need to quickly jump off from here, and let's go to Mark. God have mercy on us, right? Mark chapter 6. We will read some Canada uh, verses a little further on, but let's see Mark 6, verse 1. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence has this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty signs are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon, and not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto him, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own house, etc. You know, his own country. Verse 5, He could there do no mighty work. Isn't that interesting? And he marveled because of their unbelief. Verse 6 says, So this perfectly anointed, full of power person, who they had seen him doing such things, speaking such amazing things, came to his own hometown and he could not do anything there that was so spectacular. In other words, the anointing and the plans of God were thwarted and stifled and choked because they were offended at him. If offense could stop a well-meaning Jesus from blessing people and doing wonders in his own hometown, don't you think it would stop us in our churches? 100%. 100%. Praise God. What a thought. Let's see if we can read Isaiah 43, 25, and then come off to Mark 6 as we are winding down. Praise God. 
ನಾನಾಗಿ ನಾನೇ ನನಗೋಸ್ಕರ ನಿನ್ನ ದ್ರೋಹಗಳನ್ನು ಅಳಿಸಿ ಬಿಡುತ್ತೇನೆ ನಿನ್ನ ಪಾಪಗಳನ್ನು ನನ್ನ ನೆನಪಿನಲ್ಲಿಡೆನು maybe the fourth or fifth verse where it says that they were offended at him and he could there do no mighty work adakke yesu avarige pravadige bere elli yadaru mariyade untu adare swadeshadalliyu svanta janaralliyu svanta maneyalliyu illa endu helidanu hallelujah ಆತನು ಅಲ್ಲಿ ಕೆಲವು ರೋಗಿಗಳ ಮೇಲೆ ತನ್ನ ಕೈಗಳನ್ನಿಟ್ಟು ಸ್ವಸ್ಥಪಡಿಸಿದನೆ ಹೊರತು ಬೇರೆ ಯಾವ ಮಹತ್ಕಾರ್ಯವನ್ನು ಮಾಡುವುದಕ್ಕಾಗಲಿಲ್ಲ ಆತನು ಅವರ ಅಪನಂಬಿಕೆಯ ದೆಸೆಯಿಂದ ಆಶ್ಚರ್ಯಪಟ್ಟನು ಮತ್ತು ಸುತ್ತಲಿನ ಹಳ್ಳಿಗಳಿಗೆ ಹೋಗಿ ಬೋಧಿಸುತ್ತಾ ಇದ್ದನು offense all of these things go together what a line up amazing they are very powerful in the negative direction so for our own blessing sake for our own ability to walk in the path that we were created for to not hinder god hinder his anointing hinder his work we may have to take strong steps to say lord i need to get rid of this stuff god will help us amen Praise God. Notice here as we close Ephesians 4, the 30th, let's start in the 29th verse. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Isn't that interesting that you can actually minister grace to the hearers from things that come out of your mouth, things that are in line with the truth, and the spirit of god agrees with the truth amen he says grieve not the holy spirit this is the business of grieving the holy spirit here words that are not in line with the truth or allowing god to move freely whereby you sealed unto the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice wow nice list 32 and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake has forgiven you wow the other day i remembered suddenly as we were engaged in some worship that the lord said you know i have forgiven him why can't you forgive him why don't you just do it because i have done it praise god and so let's take it like that put it in christ's account and let it go hallelujah amen and let's just step out because there's actual love of god in us there's actual faith of god there's actual life of god there's actual holy spirit there's actual word of god inside us and so we can just do it and we're not faking it the fake is what the flesh is telling us to do and the voices out there that's not who we are we are born again we are new creatures hallelujah and of course we in the flesh now and then we make mistakes we bungle up and we follow in that direction but we can always come back to the path of righteousness for which we were created through 1 John 1:9 God will forgive us he will forget it and we need to forget also we need to forgive others we need to forgive ourselves and we need to forgive god 
Sometimes we have piles of things that we have quietly lined up against Him. Every now and then we may have to pick ourselves up and say, You're perfect. If there's any mistake, it's my problem. You're perfect in all your ways. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God will help us. Let's see if we can just hear uh, maybe 31 and 32 in Canada and then we'll just worship Him. Ella Dvesha Kopa Kroda Kalaha Doshane Yugalanu Sakala Vidavada Dushtatanavanu Niminda Dura Madiri Devaru Nimage Kristana Likshamisi Dante Nivu Ubarigobaru Pakari Garagyu Karuna Yulavaragyu Kshamisuvaragyu Iri Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's worship him. Let's thank him for a minute. Today, Lord, we worship you for your truth, for your word. Hallelujah. For freedom, to be free indeed, to be disciples indeed, to mature, to grow up, to not just be saved and stuck, but to be able to let you flow through us, through our words, through our lives, to not defile others, to be a blessing, to not trouble others. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, help us to make a clear cut with all such bitterness, with all such hardness and unforgiveness in the name of Jesus. You paid the price. You suffered. You bore it all. We leave it at your feet. We cast the care of these things upon you because you care for us. Lovingly, affectionately, tenderly. It's not our problem to bother about it. It's not our concern. We just release them. We bless them. We pray for them. Because that's the will of God. That's what's in our hearts. That's the born again nature that we have, Lord. Our brand new spirits from there through our lips. We bless them that have cursed and have stood against us in any form or fashion. They have hurt and offended us. We release them in the name of Jesus. May they do well. May they live. May they fulfill the purpose of God for their lives. The words that you have given are spirit and they are life. We thank you that our words are also spirit and we choose to fill them with life rather than death in Jesus' name. We declare our bodies shall live. Our bodies shall obey the word of God in Jesus' name. Our finances come alive in Jesus' name. The earth produced for us increases our portion. The blessing is ours in the name of Jesus. And we declare poverty, sickness, disease, every curse, you are dead. Your power is destroyed. You cannot dominate us. You cannot dominate the body of Christ in the name of Jesus. We have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, great King. Thank you, Holy One. We worship you today. We bless you for another lease of life, another level of life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'd like to give, this is a great opportunity. Join us as we give in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We praise you. Increases our portion. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Running over. You are causing us to receive from men who carry the riches in glory. Thank you, Father. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You are blessed. Thank you, team. Hallelujah. Praise God. See you again.